0: So that is, it is so important to come and to sing and sometimes just listen to the community around you sing. Um, and in that also, for everybody that comes and sets up every single morning, we're so grateful for you. Uh, you can join that team. Uh, for everybody that sits and does the tech team, we're really grateful for you guys. Everybody that serves in kids, um, we're grateful for you. I'm just overflowing with thankfulness today. And I I really, I mean it. Um, I'm so grateful for this body of believers. Um, So uh, along that line, uh, Riley, who normally leads our worship, we're super grateful for him. Uh, Over the next few weeks, you're not going to see him up here because we're giving him a time of rest. Uh, So don't be alarmed. He's not under any kind of church discipline. He's just getting some much needed rest. So uh, encourage him, love on him, give him a Sing loud so that he can hear those truths being echoed back into his mind as well. Uh, so I just want to land that for you so you guys know that. And uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 today. This was one of the first passages that I ever did real study how I'm supposed to. Uh, and uh, this was back in probably 2015. I was in a class in my undergrad called inductive Bible study, or Bible 480 at Liberty University, and I remember being really frustrated with the outcome of me studying this passage, because I had an idea of what I thought this passage meant, and then after I studied it, it didn't mean exactly that. It was even like the, we created hall themes, and this passage, part of it was part of our hall theme, Uh, it was, he came and preached peace to those who were near and those who were far. Um, that was, I was like, I'm going to live by this, I'm going to die by this, this is going to be my anthem. And uh, I interpreted it wrong because I didn't have an, a good understanding of the context of the scripture. So uh, I want us to dive in, maybe uh, to think about this passage through the context of, of what it was meant to be heard. Um, so last week we preached Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. You are dead in your trespasses and transgressions, but by grace through faith, you've been made alive together in Christ. You guys remember that, right? Awesome. Um, So before we dive into 11 through 22, I'm gonna pray for us this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Uh, Thank you for just who you are to us lord that you do want to reveal yourself to us uh, through your scripture so lord i pray that today we would be reminded of where we came from who we are uh, and what you desire for us so god i pray that you would speak through me that uh, these would not be my words uh that uh, any kind of conviction Lord would come in gentleness from your spirit and uh, we love you and we ask that this would glorify you in Christ's name amen therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands remember That you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What are we called to remember here? Right? We're called to remember where we came from. We were separated from Christ. We weren't born into this world, united with Christ. We were separated from Christ. We know that from last week that that means that we were dead, 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 in our trespasses and sins, which means that you and I, we didn't walk the gap of separation, right? The separation that was between you and Christ is not something that you made up. Who made, who closed the gap? Jesus. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the promised covenant. We did not have any rights to the promises of God or the promise that God gave Abraham and his children. That's what Paul is talking about here In Genesis, or from Genesis 17, so I want to look there, right? So this is God and Abraham having a conversation. God says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God." Whose promise was this? This was God's promise to Abraham and his offspring. Now, there might be a few of you in here, I don't know your genealogy, but who are connected by the lineage to Abraham. But for most of us in here, Gentiles describes us pretty well, right? That means non-Jewish, non-Abrahamic blood. Without Christ, the covenantal commitment from God to Abraham does not belong to us. Right? Without Jesus, there is no promise from God that extends to us from Genesis 17. We were strangers to life, strangers to joy, strangers to love, to justice, and to peace. We had no hope. Depressing. No connection to God. It's so counter to what we think. We think that uh, we just can be connected to God anytime, anywhere, just because of who we are, and God's omnipotent, and he's all-knowing, and so I can just talk to him all the time. Without Jesus, that is not the case. We have zero connection to God without Christ, separated, alienated, strangers to the promise. You were dead. And what I want to focus on today is you were also alone, right? You weren't a part of the dead folks society. There's no community of dead people, right? You were just dead and alone. But God in his holiness had his chosen people. He had the people he was committed to and he didn't have to keep up with his end of the deal with them because even they broke the promise. They abandoned him. But his covenant love for his people didn't say, now I'm just going to leave humanity for good. Instead, he extended his promise from the covenant people of Abraham he decided to extend the blessing to Gentiles, to us, extended his family through his son, adopting all who would call Christ, call on Christ, he adopted all of them into a family. So he raised you, if you are a Christian in the room, he has raised you from death and to life, but not just as an individual. He's raised you from death and into life and also into a family. Familial language in our church and in the Bible is just, it's laced. It's everywhere. You are a part of a family. You are not just a Christian, we are a Christian people. Every time you hear you, except for maybe in Timothy and Titus and Philemon, anytime you hear you in the New Testament letters, we can translate that into Southern and say, y'all, right? So I'm going to do that today in the next few passages. But now in Christ Jesus, y'all, who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I want you to hear that. You were once far off. He's saying it over and over and over again. What did we remember a few weeks ago when I preached when something is repeated, that means it's important, right? Remember that you were at one time far off. You were dead, you were strangers to the promise. You were, another southern term, way yonder from the promises of God, far off. But you've been brought near. Amen? You've been brought near, how? By the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by his blood. He's broken down the hostility that reigned between the people of God and the not people of God. And he has been our peace. He has reconciled us, he's tore down the wall, he's tore the veil and he made it now to where there's no barrier between the people of God and the not people of God in Christ. So now those who were not the people of God, who are not the people of God, can come near to the Father through Jesus Christ. You are now able to be the people of God by grace, through faith, because of the blood of Jesus. That's good news. So here's some quick practical stuff. I I always like to make sure that we get a little bit practical. So Jesus died for the hostility to be gone between the not people of God and the people of God. But sometimes you and I, we build that hostility back. If you wanna imagine hostility like a wall, right? You and I, uh, we build walls between other people that are worshiping Jesus in Dahlonega right now. Maybe even some people in this room, you built a wall of hostility between the two of you. Brick by brick, we'll take gossip and we'll put it between us. We'll put unforgiveness in between us. Bitterness. You build back that wall of hostility. And as one of your pastors, I want to tell you your hostility, your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your gossip has no place in the kingdom of God. No place. Christ has tore that hostility down, and so when His body went into the ground, He took the hostility with it. And there's no need for us to dig it back up and start sacking those walls. It's done. It's done. Jesus also died for the hostility that the people of God would have with the not people of God, right? There's no place in the church that follows. Jesus that would continue to have hostility for those who do not know Jesus, right? We are not able to follow Jesus and build walls of hostility towards those who do not yet believe. Should we have compassion? Yes. Love? Yeah. Should we do evangelism? Sharing the gospel, yeah, we should. You will not tell the gospel of love and grace and forgiveness towards someone that you hate. Someone that votes differently than you, someone that thinks differently than you, someone that sins differently than you. do not build the wall of hostility that Christ Jesus has torn down. It's gone. But they're so hostile to us. Let's look at Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. When he was on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that truth echoed so much that we can follow even the first martyr, Stephen. And we read his story a few weeks ago, but I'm going to read it again. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being stoned for his preaching of the gospel. Some could say that they're being hostile towards him, right? Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. We know him as Paul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That sounds a lot like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And if the first martyr, the person that came right after Jesus, died saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Don't you guys think that that should be our cry as well? That hostility towards outsiders does not belong amongst us. Love does. And so who heard Stephen say that? Saul, Paul. And I think that the Spirit of God started working on Saul's heart in that moment, as he heard the words of Jesus echo through the followers of Jesus. And he heard radical forgiveness. So what marks someone that calls Christ their Lord? Let's look at the early church, right? A guy who killed, murdered friends of theirs is now their authority, right? So Saul was killing Christians. Murdering them. And then all of a sudden they give him authority? That's crazy. Unless the gospel is true. Right? It probably took some forgiveness for some people to read the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians. Be like, isn't that the guy that, like, murdered one of us? Like, oh yeah, but. He calls Christ his Lord. Forgiven. Forgiven. Lay down your bricks and stop building walls that Christ has brought down. This is really hard sometimes, right? Maybe some of you are like me who have been hurt by people maybe throwing stones or hauling bricks. I had to do some serious heart work this week. I have had walls of hostility built between me and other people that call Christ their Lord. I've had to go into those spaces where I'm talking to the Lord just asking him to help me forgive those who he has already forgiven. Maybe some of you guys need to do that. Maybe join me in forgiving those who have hurt you. Let's lament Take it to the Lord and leave it with him. And I don't promise that it's not gonna come back. Right, Those, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, it's, it'll well up inside you often. That doesn't mean that the work's not done. It just means it's another opportunity for you to go back to the cross, back to God, lament for this broken world, say, Lord, I know you're not finished yet. Help me to forgive these people. Help me to forgive those who you have forgiven. We don't need to take the hostility to another brother or sister in Christ, right? This is a a common theme for people in church, is to take the frustration that we have with the other people, instead of taking it to God, we take it to others and we start to gossip, right? Gossip builds walls between other people who did not have those walls before and those people that are unforgiven from you. Does that make sense? You're just building walls everywhere you go if you continue to gossip. Instead, take it to the Lord. If you need help in that, man, Bring it up, right? So that's one of, the, one of the great things about being in a church that has elders and people that are p- literally put in positions to care over you, right? They should have the spiritual maturity to where you can take something to them in pain and in hurt, and they can say, we love you. We, for- we are going to help you walk through this. We're going to help you forgive these people. And then they take it to the Lord on your behalf. And the gossip stops there. When you you take information up a chain, that's not gossip. Does that make sense? But sometimes when you take the information and you take it around on one level, it just becomes gossip because you're just trying to pour your heart out and have somebody to empathize with you. In the business world, we say, take it to somebody who can do something about it, right? Um, I didn't plan on talking about gossip for that long, but maybe we needed to hear it. Take your hurt to the Lord, leave it there. Forgive and you might have to do it again tomorrow. You might have to leave it there over and over and over and over again. Let's get back into Ephesians. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace, right? So now joining the family of God is not wrapped up in doing things, ordinances. It's not uh, about doing the circumcision. Being into the family of God is by faith, right? And now there's one new man. So it's not Israel and then the church. Christ does not have two bodies. Christ has one body. It's true Israel expressed through the church, right? So all those who had faith in Christ in the Old Testament looking to the Messiah who would come, and now all of us who are looking back to Christ, we are one body, right? So we're joining into the covenant line of Abraham when we have faith. Does that make sense? Some of us say yes, some of us say no. Christ has one body, and one day we will rejoice with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Paul and Stephen and Ty. We'll all be together in heaven. Just one body. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Here we go again, right? Remember where you came from. You were far off because you were not Jewish. You were far from the promise. The promises did not belong to you. And through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, right? And he's reminding us where we are now. We now have access to the Father through Christ, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen? This is the part that we should get happy about. Fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's house. Christian, you have not just been brought from death to life, you have been saved into a family, adopted into a family, not just given a father. You have been adopted into a family. The idea of family, like I said earlier, is baked into the language of the church. So here's the thing, right? Part of being in the body of Christ is getting rid of some things like gossip, hate, malice, uh, but it's also putting on some things like love and service, right, living like Jesus calls us to serve the people that he loves right? It's why we ask you to join a family group, and it's why we encourage everyone in that family group to bring something to eat, right? So if you're here at the branch, we want you to join a community, and those communities meet once a week, right? And sometimes a lot of those people in those communities will bring food, and sometimes some of them won't, right? Like (laughs) there's groups of college students that don't have a lot of resources. And so me and Amanda were in this kind of, when we were back at our old church, we would always be the people that brought bread because bread was cheap. And it was like, man, how do I afford to bring something to the meal? Well, it wasn't the, it wasn't the fact that we uh, were buying the entree or buying the big thing that was important, but it was just the fact that we were able to bring something to serve, right? Because It's practical to bring something so that everybody can eat, but we're also pastoring you kind of subversively and asking you to bring something to eat so that everyone can enjoy it, right? We want you to learn to love sacrificially. We want you to learn to serve the people that are in your community. That's why we want you to join a family group and to bring something, right? Because then, if you aren't able to bring something, then we're able to know, hey, maybe they're struggling financially. How can we help? How can we bless? How can we love these people? Does that make sense? So, it's also why I'll stand up here until I'm blue in the face and ask you to serve on our tech team or in our kids ministry or on our setup team, not just because it's a practical way to live out your faith, but because we are calling you to live like Jesus. Because you're members of the household of God. This is not a thing to just come and be a consumer of Christian content. There's plenty of that on Instagram and on TikTok and all over the internet. I don't want to just be up here and scream, Christian content, Christian content, Christian content. And then you get full and you walk out and you become a fat Christian because you haven't worked out any of your faith. Right? Live it out. And the ways that we have to do that at The Branch, we have setup, up, we have tech, we have kids, we have worship. I would love for you, love for you to Work out your faith in those areas, right? Serve the family that God has saved you into. Some common objections, it's too early, I don't know how, I don't want to. (laughs) Die to yourself. That old selfish part of you has been buried with Christ. Amen? Amen? Stepping on some toes, sorry. Verse 20, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, right? So this is our key to remember that we need the Old Testament to understand Christ. And we need Christ to understand the Old Testament. One, we need the Old Testament. We can't just throw it out, right? But we cannot understand the Old Testament without Christ. And two, we cannot understand Christ without the Old Testament. There's so much... Uh, Fullness and understanding and reading the Old Testament and then understanding and watching Christ live out his earthly life, it's a beautiful picture. You need both sides of history in order to understand what you have been saved into. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. A holy temple in the Lord. Our participation in this community, our serving, our loving, our forgiving, our vulnerability is the means that God will use to make you holy. Right? Sanctification is the fancy church word for that. How many of you guys hate snakes? Anybody? All right, I hate snakes a lot. Wow, there's a lot of people that love snakes in here. That's weird. Um, Snakes, you should hate them they're gross. All right. When a snake loses its skin, right? When that skin, everybody's like wandered around in the, in the woods one day and you see that snake skin on the ground. If you've seen it, nod your head for me. Yeah. All right. So you've seen that skin. How does that skin come off? Right. It kind of expands and it's dead, but the snake is still alive and that skin is still hanging out on the snake. What that snake has to do in order to get that skin to come off is rub up against rocks. Rub up against things that are out in the woods, right? And it's grows, and it will slowly peel off. This is sanctification. If you want to be holy, if you want your deadness that is gone, it's dead, it's removed from you, just like it's removed from the snake, but you must rub yourself against rocks, And what are those rocks? Those rocks are the church, the word, frustrating people, right? The Holy Spirit, right? He has given you life. So join in, be growing into a holy temple, but you cannot grow unless you're rubbing up against the rocks of the church. You have to join in on something. You have to serve. You have to love. Give something of yourself. All right? Get rid of the old self so that you can live in the new life that you've been given in Christ. All right. Verse 22. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, kids. This is the the line that's on your paper if you wanna bring that out. God brings us to himself and gives us life through Jesus. And God saves us into a family for his glory. He saves us into a family for his glory. So I want you guys to imagine that you are not just saved in individuals, you are saved family. You are brought up together with Christ. So we're gonna go to the table like we do every single week, but I want you to do something different today, right? As you go to the table, right? Look at people in the eyes that are, that are here that have also been brought to life through Jesus and be thankful for them. And after you take the bread and you dip it into the cup and you remember what Jesus has done for you, remember that he's also done that for others. He's done that for the other people in this room. And after you take that, I want you to kind of spread out and gather together, maybe with some people that you know, people that you came with, and pray. Be thankful, pray prayers of thankfulness, All right, Pray prayers uh, of, of God's goodness. Be thankful for who he is. Be thankful for what he's done in your life. And then after you transition from praying for who God is, being thankful for that, pray for the people of our city, those who are far off, those who are not here yet. Pray for them. Pray for the college students that don't know Jesus. And remember that God has saved you into a family and not left you alone. All right, so that is what I want you to do as you take communion, Remember what God has done for you and then spread out and pray and uh, come back together to continue in worship. All right. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up and I invite you, if you are a believer in Christ, to go and take communion. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for who you are. or thank you that you Take down walls of hostility. I pray that you'd give us strength to not build them back up. It is so easy. It is so easy to stay bitter. It's so easy to stay unforgiving. It's so easy to gossip. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength to live out the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength to no longer live and act like strangers and aliens, but Lord, that we would live and act like we were people who were far off that have been brought near. Lord, teach us to forgive as you've forgiven us. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the resurrection. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray, amen.